Welcome to Journey in the Word with Pastor Randy Mosher of Calvary Chapel, the Cumberland Valley. We are located in Hagerstown, Maryland. Please join us every weekday as our pastor takes us verse by verse through a book of the Bible. Today, we're picking up in the Gospel of Luke, where the writer emphasizes the ministry that Jesus had to the poor and hurting and our need for a Savior. All of these being validated by the Old Testament prophecies about Christ. So if you're able, grab your Bibles and join us as we continue our journey in the Word. They, they had to cry out when they walked through the city streets, unclean, unclean, so that people knew that they were coming and could get out of the way. They quite literally became the walking dead of society of that day. And add to that, add to that emotional trauma the hopeless nature of that disease. Unlike its modern counterpart, which is known as Hansen's disease today, there was no cure or hope for a cure from this form of leprosy. No hope, that is, outside of divine intervention. But even then, Scripture records divine intervention up to Jesus' day at being sparse at best, as there are really only three recorded healings of leprosy in the Old Covenant era. There's the record in Exodus 4, Moses, but he didn't really have leprosy in the same way. God simply turned his hand leprous. You might remember the account as a, as a witness to Pharaoh of God's power, turns Moses' hand leprous and then restores it again as a witness to Pharaoh. And then there's Miriam, Moses' sister, who after her rebellion against Moses, God turns her leprous, but Moses prays for her and she's restored. Not a normal case of leprosy. And then there's Naaman. Now, Naaman was the more typical case of leprosy, but Naaman was not a Jew. Naaman was an Assyrian general who then God used Elisha to miraculously heal him. Remember, he told him to go down and dip himself in the river, and he didn't want to do that. He thought that was beneath him. And, well, you know, he expected him to do all kinds sorts of, you know, spiritual magic to change him from being a leper. And it was simple. But he did get healed. Naaman gets healed. But there really are no other record, recordings of lepers being miraculously healed in the Old Testament record. So, so things must have looked pretty bleak and hopeless to, to this leper and to any leper. And then added to this was the spiritual stigma that was associated with leprosy. You see, leprosy throughout the Old Testament was associated with sin. It didn't mean that a leper was necessarily sinful. It didn't mean that a leper necessarily committed a sin. No, I mean in the sense of being in some willful, continuous sin that God was punishing him. But leprosy was simply a picture or a type of sin in the Scriptures. But what happened is that even though a leper himself might not have been a sinful purpose person, that, that leper couldn't escape that stigma associated with leprosy. People began to associate leprosy with sin, and so therefore they associated lepers as being sinful. And facing God's punishment and judgment for their sin was their leprosy. So not only are they, they physically suffering, emotionally suffering, being isolated from people in general just because of the nature of their disease, but on top of that, now they feel spiritually isolated, all of this added up led to a tremendous impact upon these lepers where they not just lost hope, but in many cases they even committed suicide. 
But now, along comes Jesus. And, and this leprous man, most likely having heard of, of, of what limited miracles Jesus was already beginning to do, remember his reputation is growing because of these things, he knows and he's heard that Jesus heals people. This leprous man begins to seek Jesus out, and, 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 he, and he recognizes that Jesus can heal. And yet, here's where I think the rest of that statement comes in, if you are willing. I believe that this man, looking at the baggage associated with his leprosy, this man questions if Jesus really would heal him. Healing him, an unclean leper, would Jesus even stoop so low as to heal this unclean leper? Is he even going to give him the time of day? I mean, the Pharisees wouldn't have, the Sadducees wouldn't have, the scribes wouldn't have, the religious of the day wouldn't have. I mean, the common people of the day were staying away from lepers. Why would Jesus be any different? Well, he knew that Jesus could heal. But the question is, with all of this leprous baggage, would he heal him? Folks, I, I want to impress this on you this morning. I, I, there are uh, many people in our world who do not doubt the ability of Jesus Christ. And I'm talking about his ability here to heal, heal spiritually, not just physically, but, but spiritually. I, I believe that there are a lot of people in our world who do not doubt the healing ability of Jesus, but they are lepers and they know it. They're lepers and they know it. They, they have things in their lives and in their past that's so vile, so sinfully unclean, that while they might know the power of Jesus to heal, might even believe in the power of Jesus to heal, they question whether or not Jesus would even consider healing them. I say this because I've known people like this. I've known people like this, people who never doubted Jesus' ability to heal and to restore men and women spiritually, but they saw themselves as lepers, untouchables, so vile that they just couldn't perceive Jesus possibly being willing to, to reach down and to touch and to heal this unclean leper. And sadly, that understanding of their lives caused many of them to move on without letting him touch and heal them. They didn't move on because they were rejecting him, but they moved on because they simply could not conceive of him being willing to touch and heal them, knowing how vile their lives had become. You know, I've shared this, and I know I'm, I told you with age comes repetition, but it's, it's so impacting, I can't not share it. I mean, my friend in the army, who today is a believer, was a prime example of this. The better part of the, his life he spent running from the Lord, but not running from him because he didn't believe Jesus was who he, who he said he was, but because he knew his own life, and he just didn't think that Jesus would want to touch him. He was an army guy. He was a, a, a high-ranking sergeant. He was the top-ranking sergeant that you can go in the ranks. He was a sergeant major in the army, top enlisted man. And I served with this man, and, and he did come to Christ. But it was interesting, a year even after he came to Christ, he, he had turned to me one day as we were praying, and he talked about the confidence that I had with the Lord. And I said, well, you have this confidence with the Lord too. And I said, you've accepted him. And he looked at me and he said, yeah, I've accepted him, but I just, I don't think he's accepted me. And, and I couldn't fathom that. I'd never heard anybody say that before. 
I couldn't understand what it was he was driving at. And, and I looked at him and I said, well, what do you mean by that? He, he didn't accept you. He says, you don't know what I've done. But he knows. He's seen the things I've done. He said, I had three tours in Vietnam. You don't know the things that I did while I was there. You don't know the sinful and vile things and, and, and things that I did while I was there. I, 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 I know what I've done, and I know that Jesus knows what I've done. And though I've accepted him, I just I don't know that he could have accepted me. And I explained to him that's not how it works. But you see, his, his, his understanding of his own leprosy was placing him in that position where he knew Jesus' ability to heal, but, but he, in his own heart, was asking that question, if you're willing. I know you can, but are you willing is really what he's saying. Would you be willing to touch even me? He couldn't fathom that. Well, praise the Lord. He didn't run away from him at that point. We prayed together and I said, let me pray that, that God would give you this assurance and this confidence that he has received you. And we began to pray. And I remember he began to cry. And, and I looked at him and he says, I have blood on my hands. I have blood on my hands. And I said to him, yeah, you do. But the blood you see on your hands now is the blood of Jesus covering the blood that you had on your hands. The blood of Jesus has covered you because he's received you and he's reached down, he's touched you, and he's healed you. And he began to sob like a baby. And it changed his life forever because he realized that Jesus was willing to touch a leper and to heal. Look, I firmly believe that there are people like this all around us today. We see a lot of people around us right now, especially as we're watching society grow darker and darker and act out in more and more sinful ways. And we see these people that we think are so vile, so far gone that they are unredeemable, that they are un unreachable, unhealable, untouchable. We attribute it to the hardness of their hearts, of their wanting nothing to do with Jesus, when in reality, for many of them, I believe that nothing could be further from the truth. They don't disbelieve Jesus. I'm not talking about all of them, but there are people out there that don't disbelieve Jesus. They just disbelieve that he would want to do anything for them. They see him as coming to help others, but not them, because they're too leprous for him to want to touch. And sadly, some have hardened their hearts because of that view that they hold of him, not because they, they want to continue in their sin, but they've hardened it because they just don't think he would touch them. And in the process, they just continued to press on deeper and deeper into their sinfully leprous condition. But Jesus is still here in their midst. And oh, if they could only know what it is that he's really willing to do for them, how he's not just willing to heal them, but that he's even willing to touch them personally as he brings a cleansing to their lives, just like he's brought to our lives. You see, we were all lepers, all of us. He may not have been as vile as the last guy, but you know what? God doesn't see it that way. All sin is vile. All sin is leprosy in his eyes. But as Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 11, when we placed our faith in Jesus Christ, we were washed, but we were sanctified, but we were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. 
In the moment we placed our faith in Jesus, he was willing and he reached down and he touched us and he healed us and he cleansed us of our leprosy and it's gone forever. And if only you and I could now look at unclean people in this world with the eyes of Jesus as he looked at us, looking at them in the same way, regardless of how vile or unclean they might be, and offer them the same hope that we have found. Well, I'm just going to tell you, we might be truly surprised at the response by a number of them. My sergeant major friend is an example of that. But had I not looked at him with the eyes of Jesus, I might never have come to know that. Well, note one other thing. After healing this man, Jesus gives him this command. But go and show yourself to the priest and make an offering for cleansing as a testimony to them, just as Moses commanded. This is a hugely important command that he's giving this man. Why? Because, you see, in Leviticus 14, God had prepositioned a requirement in the Levitical law, which although those in the Old Testament era didn't fully realize all the implications at the time, it was a law that would only find fulfillment in Messiah when he would come and which would serve as evidence of his arrival. The law required that a leper who was healed was to go to the priest who would then go through a ritual not to heal the leper. You see, there was never a provision for the priests in the Old Testament to heal people. None whatsoever. <laughs> you know, there is for us as New Testament priests, we can pray for people and, and, and see them receive healing. Not in all cases, but we can take them before the Lord and watch him touch them. We can lay hands on them and see that happen. But the priest didn't have that same ability. There was no provision for the priests to, to even begin to see miraculous healings of any kind. So, so they wouldn't have realized the implications, you see. But all they had was a ritual that they could go through by which they could declare that leper clean. And, and to be healed of that leprosy. They declare that, yes, they, I certify they've been cleansed. They can read now. They've been clean. They no longer have the, the leprosy. They can rejoin the congregation again of Israel. They can become part of the community again. And as mentioned, there are only three recorded healings of leprosy before Jesus came. Now, that doesn't mean there weren't any others, but the scriptures sure don't tell us that there were. And none of them in the three that we do have recorded would have fallen under the requirement of this law. The only leprosy that did occurred with healings which Jesus performed. And now, get ready, here it is. And now, here is Jesus telling this man to go to the priest, to follow the rituals and requirements of Leviticus 14. But in doing so, Jesus isn't just telling him to go fulfill the requirements of the law. Yeah, that was important. That's what was going to enable him to rejoin the community. But he's sending him so that the priest will know that the Messiah has arrived. This moment should have been a powerful testimony to the priest that this man goes to and to all priests. I mean, the network should have lit up. But sadly, we know that it... It didn't, because by and large, the priests of Israel were blinded by unbelief. The truths contained in the scriptures which Jesus fulfilled are both overwhelming and amazing, and, and yet so many people in Jesus' day missed who he was. And so too, so many people in our day 
miss the truth of who Jesus is as the one the scriptures have and continue to point to as the savior of the world. Are you glad that you didn't miss it? I pray you didn't miss who Jesus is. I pray that your faith this morning is in Jesus Christ. If it's not, you can do that even now as you're sitting here watching this live stream because there's no magic formula, there's no magic prayer. It's a confession of belief in your heart that Jesus is who he says he is, that he is the son of God who came in the flesh, walked this earth to be the perfect sacrifice for your sin, sin that you could not make good on your own, sin that you could not make payment for in any way, shape, or form through any good works on your part, but that you placed your faith in Jesus Christ, knowing fully who he is, believing in him and who he says he is, and believing that the work that he did on the cross was sufficient to reconcile your account with God, to make you acceptable to God again, placing your faith in him, repenting of your sin, of who you are as a human being, of that sin nature, of repenting of your way of life, repenting, not repenting in the sense that, that now you're going to change it, now you're responsible for changing your life. No, repenting, knowing that you can't, but you're willing to go a new direction with Jesus. Repenting literally means turning and going 180 degrees, like an about face in the army. Doing that about face, and you're now prepared to go as he now leads you, and he will lead you into the paths of righteousness as you choose to follow him. And then making Jesus your only Savior, your only God that you'll serve, and following him. You're willing to do that? You can put the words of that prayer into your own language any way you want to say it to him, and he's going to receive you. So he's looking at your heart this morning. But if you haven't, do it. Don't wait. But if you have, aren't you glad that... that, that you saw Jesus for who he is, that you know what the scriptures were declaring about him. Aren't you glad that he heard your cry and reached down and touched you and healed you from that hopeless state of spiritual leprosy that you were in? You know, he didn't have to do it, but he did it anyways. We cry out, if you're willing, you can make me clean. And his answer to those of us who have placed our faith in him was resoundingly clear. I am willing. I am willing, he said to us. You know, the old hymn says it best. I hear the Savior say, thy strength indeed is small. Child of weakness, watch and pray. Find in me thine all in all. Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. He washed it white as snow. Lord, now indeed I find thy power and thine alone can change the leper's spots. Yeah, we were loaded with them and melt the heart of stone. Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. He washed, I'm not going to say it, he washed me white as snow. For nothing good have I, whereby thy grace to claim, I'll wash my garments white, not through my good works, not through my self-effort, not through my keeping of the law. I'll wash my garments white in the blood of Calvary's lamb. Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain, he washed it white as snow. I went before the throne. I stand in him complete. 
No leprosy, no blemish, no spot. Pure righteousness, not of my own making, pure righteousness of his making, of his healing power. And when before the throne I stand in him complete, Jesus died my soul to save, my lips shall still repeat. Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. He washed it white as snow. Aren't you glad? Aren't you rejoicing this morning that he heard your cry as that sinful leper? And he answered and said, yeah, I'm willing. I'm willing. And he reached down and touched you and healed you. Well, look on. Tells us in verse 16, so he himself often withdrew into the wilderness and prayed. And so now Jesus, again, draws himself away from the crowds. This will become his pattern. And as I pointed out last week, he doesn't do it just to simply get away from ministry. This is not just getting a break from ministry. It is, but that's not the real purpose. His purpose isn't just to get away from people, but but it's to refresh himself for ministry and for work that he has to do with the people. And, And here Luke tells us that the secret to his refreshment in these moments is prayer. It's prayer. In other words, he's getting away so that he can refresh himself through a time of quiet communion and reflection with his heavenly Father. He wants to take time to share with him what his day has been like and to receive fresh vision and revelation and instruction as to how the Father wants him to proceed. He wants to hear from the Father. He needs this time of quiet communion with him. You know, here again is something that often makes us so different from Jesus, so different from him. For Jesus, prayer was a a time of refreshment, but But for a lot of us, I think if we're honest about it, we don't want to say it. But if we're honest with it, prayer is is somewhat drudgery. It shouldn't be, but oftentimes it is. It's something we tend to engage in only when time permits or when we feel up to it. But for Jesus, prayer was a priority and it was never a burden. Never. For Jesus, it wasn't about engaging in it only when time permitted or when he felt up to it but he purposely made regular time for it, giving it absolute priority over everything else that that he was doing because unlike most of us, he knew that prayer was the most important thing that he needed to do. See, even though he was taking a break from the crowds and from practical ministry and from practical activity associated with his ministry as he drew himself away like this, he drew himself away to pray because he knew that his ministry to the people was powerfully impacted as he prayed. Prayer was a priority to Jesus because he knew that prayer was the most important thing that he could engage in for himself and for the people. Prayer is what gave him the connection that he needed with the heavenly throne room to know how to powerfully minister to people as he walked this earth in the constraints of human flesh. This was something that even his disciples didn't fully understand yet for their own lives. Their inability to deliver the demon-possessed boy reveals this truth, and Jesus pointed it out to them. We talked about this passage several weeks ago, but I'll read this to you in verse 19 of Matthew 17. 
Matthew 17, verse 19. Then the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, why could we not cast it out? So Jesus said to them, because of your unbelief, for assuredly I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there and it will move and nothing will be impossible for you. However, this kind does not go out except by what? Prayer and fasting. You know, I don't know if you've read any Andrew Murray. I would encourage you to read some of his books. They're hard to read because he's so pointed in the statements he makes. I know I feel conviction when I read them, but he's written some great works on prayer. But he said this about this passage, and he's right on. He said, the disciples felt ashamed that they're not being able to cast out the evil spirit. When Christ had sent them out to do the work, they had come back rejoicing that the evil spirits were subject to them. And here, in the presence of the Pharisees, they'd been brought to confusion by their impotence. They felt it deeply and asked the master to tell them what the cause of their failure was. He answered with one word, unbelief. They had not been living in communion with God and separation from the world. They had neglected prayer and fasting. And that's what prayer is. It's communion with our Heavenly Father. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Journey in the Word, a verse-by-verse teaching ministry of Calvary Chapel of the Cumberland Valley. If you would like to listen to more teachings or find out more information about us, go to www.journeyintheword.org. That's www.journeyintheword.org. Thanks again for listening. We hope you'll tune in for our next episode as we continue our Journey in the Word.